Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We continue with Micah chapter 3. And I said, Hear you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones? who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to Yahweh, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Thus says Yahweh concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry, Peace! when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore it shall be night to you without vision, and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of Yahweh, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe, its priests teach for a price, its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on Yahweh and say, Is not Yahweh in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. This is the word of the Lord. So we have another chapter, our third chapter of God proclaiming his judgment, declaring his judgment against the people of Israel. It starts by saying, I said, uh, that's Micah speaking, but he is still speaking the word of the Lord. He's still calling out judgment, God's judgment upon the people. It starts very identically to chapter 1 verse 2, that word here, invoking them to have faith, calling them to have faith. And specifically, in this case, the leaders. That's who this chapter is aimed towards rather than the people as a whole, calling out the leaders, whether it's the political leaders or the religious leaders, they're both targeted by this. They have things backwards. As leaders, they should know justice. They should know how to care for the people that are in their care, but they don't. They've got it all upside down. They hate things that are good. They love things that are evil. Our culture's like that today. Might want to talk about that as a family a little bit. How do you see that in the world around you right now? Verse 2 and 3 end up becoming a metaphor for consuming greed and the abuse of authority coming from these leaders, instead of caring for the people, they are, they're squeezing them. You know, they're, they're pressing them for everything they're worth. I think historically we think of governments who overtax their people and 
you know, they, they starve them because they tax them so heavily. That's an example, but the leaders of Israel are doing this in many ways, which is probably why there's so much repetition right there. Instead of caring for, they are they're leading in a way that destroys, that only feeds their own bellies. They're killing the people instead of serving them. This is the kind of situations we saw in the previous chapter. So you can look back at chapter 2, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Um, so they oppress men, they steal their inheritances, verse 2, and verses 8 and 9. The three groups of people God so often protects in the Old Testament, they harm. So the, the traveler, the sojourner, the woman, the child. And so in verse 4, they're going to cry out because God's judgment comes. But he won't answer. It will be too late for them. They have rejected him, and so he is rejecting them. In verse 5, Micah becomes more specific, and he aims for the prophets. He aims for the people who are supposed to speak God's word to them. But instead, they have been leading God's people astray. This is another spot where you can have a conversation. Do you know any false prophets today? Any false teachers? Or you can flip it around and talk from the other angle. Do you know any people who have been led astray? How might you pray for those people? So these false prophets in verse 5 they cry peace when they have something to eat, declare war against those who don't feed them. In other words, they only preach to the people who are going to pay them for it. It would be like me saying that I won't, I won't serve the people where I am unless they give me money. Now, I'm thankful that the people of the congregation I serve do provide for my family. Um, it is a gift. Um, it allows me to focus on on serving them and all of them, you know, as we, we come together as a community. But there could be a time coming where that isn't possible. That day may come. There are worker priests among us um, who have regular full-time kind of jobs to make ends meet, and then they share the gospel. And in a way, that should be all of us, but we're talking about the leaders here more specifically. Night without vision. God often spoke to his prophets through visions and dreams, so they go to sleep at night hoping to hear from God, and they don't. Or they practice divination, which is... Um, forbidden by God, Div divination, divining, divine, is the attempt to speak with the various gods. And that's why it's forbidden, because those other gods, one, don't exist, but that's idolatry, and it's breaking the very first commandment. So all of their, all of their sources of speech are being taken away from them. The sun is going to go down over them, the day will be black for them. 
So there's no light for the prophet as a reference to God's judgment, bringing darkness upon them. But we think of it in the new con- newer Testament context of Christ, who is the light of the world. So they don't have Christ. They are not part of God's people any longer. The word seer in verse 7 is actually the older name that used to be used by God's people for their prophets. So perhaps one and the same interchangeable still even at this point. Won't put much into that word. Diviners connects back to the divination word from the previous verse. And these are going to be disgraced. They're going to be put to shame. They'll cover their lips. I'm not sure what exactly to make of that phrase. Covering their lips, if they're if they were being faithful prophets, to cover their lips would mean they have nothing to say because God has not spoken to them. But these are not faithful prophets. They're leading people astray already. So they're speaking already things that didn't come from God. So the fact that God is no longer speaking to them isn't, well, it is an issue, but it's not the issue that this is referring to. So it could still somehow be that they have nothing to say, so maybe God works so that he silences them. Or it could be that they cover their lips somehow as a thing of mourning, that they're going to remain silent because they're in grief. But I don't know for sure. Verse 8, as for me, this is back to Micah, I am filled with power, with the, whole, with the spirit of Yahweh, like the apostles at Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2 for the actual Pentecost event. But Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And what is the power that the apostles receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon them? It's the ability to proclaim the gospel. Micah has power. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He is able to proclaim what the Lord gives him to proclaim. He's able to speak the good news. Or he's able to speak the law, whatever it is God has him to do. And in this case, that's told to us, right? At the end of verse 8, here's the purpose. To declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. This is what God has given him to speak. It is judgment. Verse 9, hear this, again returning to the heads of the house, the rulers. So more judgment, although this time shifting back away from the prophets towards perhaps you would say the more generic um, well, maybe not generic. I don't know that I want to say political. Just the elders, the leaders of the people in various ways. And it's speaking judgment again. They make crooked all that is straight. Think of that as like the opposite of John the Baptist, right? So because they have made things crooked, John the Baptist will come to make straight the way of the Lord. He'll prepare the way of the Lord. He'll make all the paths straight. Now, verse 10, you see both Zion and Jerusalem mentioned. You see them both mentioned again in verse 12. Note that Zion and Jerusalem are synonyms to one another. Jerusalem is the official name for the city that is the capital of Judah. Um, but Zion is another name uh, by which it is referred to sometimes. So, verse 10, Zion is built with blood. Like verses 2 and 3. 
that the, the leaders have been straining the people and robbing them and plundering them and harming them. And they're using these things to prop up the city. And then Jerusalem filled with iniquity, whether that's you know, their pagan worship or if it's their deceptive practices, the evil deeds that they do, their plotting, um, whatever it is, uh, the list is lengthy against them at this point. Verse 11, we see three of those things here. The elders judge for a bribe, the priests teach for a price, the prophets divine for money. One you can talk about with your children, perhaps, that first line. If you get into trouble, should you be able to get out of trouble because you've got enough money? The answer to that is no. You shouldn't be able to buy your way out of punishment. If your children are older, you might be able to engage in a conversation with them about whether or not that actually does happen. Maybe they even have examples where they've seen it happen. The latter two, that the priests teach for a price, the prophets divine for money, that's Luther's big problem with Rome that sparks the Reformation 500 years ago. That the Roman church was going around teaching that if you pay money, you could have your sins forgiven. So here we've got a similar Old Testament problem. You know, they're, they're so focused on money. Oh, yeah, we'll talk to the gods for you if you pay us. I'll teach you if you pay me. Again, we've got good exhortation from Scripture to pay those who preach the gospel. Right? Don't muzzle the ox. You can look that one up. But at the same time, to, to demand it so or to... To only work if there is, is that incentive of pay. That is not humble. It's just not a servant's heart. And we know from the New Testament, from Jesus, that we lead, we who are called to lead, are called to lead by serving. We don't look to be served, but to serve, as the Son of Man gave himself as a ransom for many. Yet these, even though they do all these wicked things, they still try to claim that they have God. They try to proclaim themselves favored. We have God. Nothing's going to happen to us. No disaster shall come upon us. That is prideful. It's also ignorant. That is, um, they're completely unaware of the true reality of things. It does, on a positive side, though, remind me of Romans chapter 8, verse 31, where we would read, If God is for us, who can be against us? And that leads into a very, very beautiful section from the Apostle Paul. But it doesn't guarantee good in this world. It's a section where we learn that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ for us and from the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. This is, this is our promise that we've been given from God. But these don't have that. They have abandoned the Lord. 
and they still think that the Lord will favor them. But that's not the case. Verse 12 declares very straightforward the judgment. Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem a heap of ruins. That's 587 B.C. So it's a little ways away, over a hundred years to go, but it will come to pass because Judah does not repent. Verse 13. 